Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. This is also Transit Transient Wednesday with Eric Hall and today Matt Shea sitting in with us. Actually, we should probably rename this Old Fart Radio. (laughs) Oh, what do you think? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. My my farts are usually new when I release them. (laughs) Or at least, you know, I like to think they are. You know they do germate for a, for a few moments and then they then I let them go. Hold on. So about a few few minutes with no, I don't like that either. <laughs> so so anyway, Eric Hall is here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. And Matt Chase here. He, he gets a standing ovation and nobody gives a crap that I'm here, but that's that. So I'm I'm good, gentlemen. How are we today? We're doing good, and, and I'm enjoying your new logo. Oh, good! You you, you like my new logo? I like your new logo. That's very and, nice. and thank you for liking my new picture. I, I I did that myself. You have a new picture? Um, <laughs> well, you liked it on Facebook. Oh yes, yes, of course, on Facebook. Yes, yes, that's dynamite. It looks just like you. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I, actually, you know, that's a little bit of a, 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 a of an insult, but I wanted oh, to no, look like somebody know. else. Oh. oh, so gentlemen, what are we going to discuss today? Well, I know what we're going to discuss, so we might as well get right into it because uh, you are the, being the baby of the of the group, Eric. You were wow. only two when this happened, so you wouldn't remember it. I wouldn't imagine. No, I don't. I don't remember it. And and Matt and I were born in the same year. I think he must be older than me. He, you, uh, Matt, Matt, what's your what's your birth date? July twenty fifth, nineteen fifty seven. Ah, see, you're much older than me. I was uh, September eleventh. So so, but you remember as I do, um, the events of uh, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Very well. I recall being in school at St. George's in South Seattle, and all of a sudden the principal came in and said, our president has been shot. We were well aware that JFK was a Roman Catholic like ourselves, and they uniformed all of us the way they did and systematically paraded us down the church a block and a half down the street, and we did intense prayer until we were updated with the news that we lost our president. Now, keep in mind, first grade, six years old, this was really dramatic. Oh, absolutely. I was also in first grade, and our principal, and I went to a Lutheran school, and our principal came in and uh, um, and notified the first grade teacher, Mrs. Nelson, and, sa- and so she said the president's been injured, and so we all prayed for the president at that point. We didn't. I didn't know until after school was over, because some of the older kids that were in seventh and eighth grade some of the girls were crying and 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 stuff because it was it was a a horrific event in those days there was only 
really ABC, CBS, and NBC, and all of those were um, were preempted coverage for for the uh, uh, events of the day, and of course led by Walter Cronkite. It was a very traumatic event. I remember crying profusely because I was being breastfed at the time, and I was very hungry. And Mom put me down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, 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 it screwed up everybody's day. It really did. Um, and it, and it, it him being Catholic, week. him being Catholic, that's not a small point. No, it's not. I mean, yeah. that that was almost our first minority minority. Yes. Uh, president right and that was a big thing for him just to be elected as president well yes and see richard nixon was the professional the attorney and of course under eisenhower but kennedy had the composure he was charismatic and nixon's five o'clock shadow against that famous debate kind of tainted a bit and so kennedy by a narrow margin won the popular vote and that was really due, and wasn't that kind of a split? The debate was famous due to the television. People that watched it via television felt that Kennedy won the debate. People that listened by radio thought that Nixon won the debate. Yes, right. Kennedy looked better, and he was always smiling, always smiling, happy, and control. And Nixon was progressively more and more a frustrated attorney with yeah. credentials. With credentials, and uh, you know, and he was incredibly smart and sophisticated in his politics and his uh, a Quaker and his processes, and a Quaker fundamentalist. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fundamentalist. Well, now, now Kennedy. Well, one of the big issues back then was people did not necessarily want to elect a Catholic because where would he hold his loyalty to? To the Pope right. or to uh, um, the country? The Vatican. Yeah, so there was a real, there was a real problem with with whether or not uh, he would, uh, in fact, oh, the Pope would become president, kind of thing. <laughs> also, and we are proud of this, but he was the one that brought us the Peace Corps, among other things. He was the one who spearheaded civil rights, among other things. He was for the common man, the working man. Hooray! But whoever changes the momentum and blazes that trail. You're a point man, sort of say. You're a marked man. So he is having a lot of controversy elevating this country a direction it was overdue to be traveling. He was the guy who took the fall on that, among other things. Well, I think he was gunned for from the beginning. You know, his, his whole process of election was uh, being of the common man, was uh, somebody he's going to be gunned for, and being a, a bit of a minority. Uh, very much like I've mentioned before a couple of weeks ago, everything is circular. Last week I talked about things are circular. And again, you know, there's a lot of tie-ins with uh, if you're a true believer in conspiracies and so forth. And and I know we're going to get into that eventually. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> but but the, the tie-ins to what happened with him and Lincoln, you know, as esoteric as you want to get, it, it was almost uh, destiny, the things that happened to him. Throw in, he was the youngest president to ever be elected. Yeah, was he 46, 44? He was 43, I believe. He was 43. Uh, one of the presidents got in at age 42 by default, by assassination. We had one advance. 
but Kennedy was brought in the the youngest. Well, and and, and to your point, Eric, um, both he and um, um, Lincoln were elected in '60, so 1860 and 1960. It's amazing. Exactly 100 years apart. And again, Lincoln at the very end had a few more votes come in that gave him the nod. Kennedy, the same story, so to say. It was nip and tuck because you had a contrast here and it went to the more likable instead of the season. And the big question, what season? You know, what are we going to get out of him? Now, again, Theodore Roosevelt was the youngest president at age 42 by default when Willie McKinney was assassinated. But age 43, JFK was elected. We lost him at age 46. Did, Did you say contrast or contract? Contrast. But we're going to get into the contract. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm ready for you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, for first of all, um, we have. I, you know, I don't believe that if, if you both are both authors, I want you to write a book where where the president gets killed and the guy who kills the president is then killed in front of national TV, nobody would buy it because nobody would believe it. It's a, yeah, it, it's a classic move. Kill the messenger or kill the, kill the assassin is a, cl- yeah, it, it's a proven method of uh, getaway, right? Clear and clean yeah. up the evidence. And, but nobody, if you were to write that, they'd say, nah, that's not that it can't happen. Um, and I was actually watching TV when Oswald was shot because it was on national TV. Yeah, shockingly so. Yeah, they were taking him from one place to another. And, of course, in those days, you know, the president was in a uh, convertible. Now he's in a tank. Um, they, Beast. The beast, they call it, and and uh, um, and Oswald was taken just just taken in front of, you know, the the whole room was full of people. They would never do that today. They would never do that, Matt. I saw. I spent hours and hours catching up on obscure documentaries, and I saw one of Lee Harvey Oswald's mother, and she was such a sweet old lady from the fifties with the butterfly glasses. And then they interviewed Jack Ruby's wife. And Jack Ruby's wife was saying, you don't understand. When they tell you to do something, you have to do it. And she was directly spelling out the syndicate. Well, and he was a uh, strip club owner. He was a strip club owner. And Oswald's name was found on a payroll for the FBI. He was bilingual Russia. He was a double spy. And they say in actuality, this outspoken Marcus who married a Soviet woman was actually doing double duty. He was being a double agent, supposedly on our side. Now, today, where he shot Kennedy, that sixth floor off of the book depository, the library, that's a museum today. Yeah, People could go there and see what happened. What gets me is two things. He set up a lot of boxes behind him to do that, which means he's painting himself in a corner. Number two is his story is he is a marksman, but there's a little bit of English put in. 
he ordered a rifle from Italy. He was a grade A marksman. And the problem is I had a book called Best Evidence and for a while it was repossessed. It was a guy on the Warren Committee who got out when he saw witnesses were dying. Over 100 witnesses had mysterious deaths in this. But anyway, he had a rifle. He was supposed to hit the curb to show that he was vulnerable. And we see Kennedy looking, then two come back, the grassy knoll bit and all that stuff. And then there he is painted the corner. This book had a guy spend years walking around Dallas, knocking on front doors, talking in neighborhoods, introducing himself. Many gave Polaroid pictures, four gave tape recordings, and each of them had three bullets, not two. And so this put quite a spin on things. And then his book was initially recalled and I made the mistake of lending the book out, and I haven't seen it since. I think it's back out, actually. But it was called Best Evidence. By the way, there were three shots. They've proven that. Yes, they did prove it. Initially, yeah. they claimed it was just two. And so this goes on and on. And Oswald, apparently, his side of the story was to be quiet. And you did your part. You proved it. And then what happened, happened. And so we're talking about conspiracy theories. Everybody and his brother is going to come in from all directions. A lot of obscure things. What's true? What isn't? We go for infinity on this. We, we certainly can. Eric, what do you think? I think it's uh, amazing that it's still something that we talk about today. You know, it, it says how significant it is, you know. Just not the mystery of it, but also who Kennedy was. Uh, Kennedy might be one of the most significant uh, presidents of our lifetime uh, for a number of reasons. And uh, one of the reasons I, I can think of, you know, is one of the things we already talked about. Uh, he, he was a man of the people and he was really turning the corner about uh, being a man of the people. And I think that is one of the things that ultimately got him killed. I think there has always been a conspiracy against uh, people that work for the people or presidents that work for the people. And um, we, as Americans, have this thing about gun violence and we glorify it. Even if we don't want to acknowledge it, we glorify and celebrate gun violence. And here we're talking about uh, like many people do, we still talk about one of the most significant assassinations in our history, which was done by a gun, um, which affects everybody today. And we, we talk about hero worship. There are people out there that uh, view the assassin as some kind of uh, cult hero, cult figure, um, because we glorify guns. John Wilkins Booth. Yes. Yeah. So uh, in my mind, you know, this is just another feather in the cap of uh, people that glorify guns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, um, you know, I was re reading in I was looking also because I in preparation for this, I, mean, I was also looking at obscure things. And one of the things was that um, somebody was and I forget who it was, but they were they were going to pick up uh, Oswald from the book depository 
and he was so after he shot um, JFK, he went downstairs, and the guy did not show up. So he ended up going to a theater. On the way to the theater, he shot a policeman and killed him and then went into the theater to hide because he felt like he had been, uh, uh, and he actually said uh, to, the, to the press on his way in that he was a patsy. What? That he was a patsy. So, patsy. yeah, go, go ahead, Matt. I question if Oswald shot Tippett. Unfortunately, Tippett was shot, but Oswald up to that point was using his security, so to say, to go behind en enemy lines to prove a vulnerable situation, supposedly. And then you had Officer Tippett shot. Was it Oswald who actually shot him? One of the documentaries I watched were people saying how they watched the CIA go to where Oswald was buried. He was buried in a cement casket. And the reason why is if there's any foul play or movement, it breaks, meaning this casket has been tampered with. This casket was broken apart. They interviewed the mortician who did the job, and then they removed his head and put in a different one, and they said that's not his head, the dental charts and everything. JFK never had an autopsy. My God. Now, did, this, did, did they do this because of what happened to Lincoln? Which, which part? Well, they, yeah. they tried to steal Lincoln's body. Did they? Yeah. That's, okay. It's very possible. It's, it's, yeah. You see, the, the problem is when you get into that, that place of power, and let me give you one other theory <laughs> that's out there, and, and that is, you know who John Kennedy's... Um, <laughs> keep, keep tapping, buddy. You're going to need all of that. Um <laughs> John Kennedy's um, 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 attorney general. You know who that was? Um, God. Um, go ahead. No. Refresh me. Matt? Well, the name Gerald Ford comes to mind because he was in charge of the Warren Committee. Nope. It was Robert Kennedy. That's okay. right. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And Robert Kennedy had uh, started a crusade against... Wait for it. Wait for it. Organized crime. The war go. against crime. War against crime. My union hall, he and Jimmy Hoffa would spend hours yelling at each other. So if if um, if you can't get to Robert Kennedy, uh, which might have been too blatant, and but you can get to the president, see, Robert Kennedy wouldn't be because Johnson and, and Robert Kennedy did not get along at all. And when Johnson became president, he replaced Robert Kennedy with uh, another individual. And then, of course, in 1968, when uh, Robert Kennedy was running for office, Sirhan Sirhan, another obscure individual um, shot Robert Kennedy and killed him. Wow. So you, you wonder about all. <laughs> there, there's, <coughs> lots of, there's lots of little things that, that could be there. Go ahead, Matt. It had become American law so many years back that a person attempting to assassinate a president or who does is not allowed to get the death penalty. They spend the rest of their lives trying to figure out what foreign power, what power put them up to it, 
what means they use to lead them up to that, their case study the rest of their lives. Well, that's a good idea. It's a good idea. I had no idea that that actually <laughs> that actually took place. Uh, so there actually was a law that, that said that they eliminated the death penalty for an, a, a successful assassination. Well, it, it was, a, I would use the term policy because for the rest of their lives, they want information for, out of this person. Oh, maybe, maybe that's why the strip owner decided to, because uh, he didn't, he didn't, he, he didn't last three days. He was killed the second day. According to Jack Ruby's wife, the mafia held him down, injected cancer, where he was a high-level cancer patient with his days numbered, so he's gone, and what they would do to his family and so forth. Oh, man. And that, it was just an incredible interview. And then they would go back to Lee Harvey Oswald's mother, and she was just a sweet thing. And then they'd interview his friends, and they said, he's the most patriotic, cool guy you'd ever meet. He's one of us. He was doing, you know, they were defending him. And now, what, what do you believe? That type of thing. Let me throw another one at you. There was a uh, military action that took place right after Kennedy took, took office, and it was operated by the CIA. And um, either of you know what that was called? The Bay of Pigs. Very good. You're, the history is, is is coming through. And the Bay of Pigs, of course, was a huge disaster. But uh, there are people that said that because of the Bay of K Pigs and also the involvement in, uh, in Vietnam, and then, uh, of course, Oswald had been to Russia, or the USSR, as it was called at the time. And uh, so there's a possibility that he was part of that. And I, there's a possibility that the, that uh, the Russians, the CIA and the uh, uh, mafia were all involved. Two things. An hour before this broadcast, I was studying the Bay of Pigs. Initially, the Eisenhower administration was orchestrating that to throw out Fidel Castro. Little trivia, Fidel Castro tried out for the Washington Senator baseball team. That was Richard Nixon's favorite team. He got cut from the team, almost made the roster because they, you know, they, among other things, they know their baseball there. So we went back to Havana for politics. So the world would have changed if we would have had a Fidel baseball card. But anyway... Boy, that's they, retaliation for you. Boy, I've never heard that one before. Yes, yes. He was cut from the Washington Senators before. What year lie. was that? Because he 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 led the revolution against Satista, I believe his name was, or, or Batista, who was a ally of the United States, and he overthrew that government in, in Cuba and made it communist. It's like Yamoto. Yamoto was a student at West Point for a while. Mm -hmm. Yamoto was. And Fidel Castro tried out for the Senators to play per American baseball. But anyway, this was an Eisenhower concept. America got involved. It was to overthrow Fidel. It backfired miserably. And they had 1,400 people involved. Many were killed. Over 1,200 were captured. And America negotiated $53 million dollars worth of medicine and food as a barter to get the hostages back to America. 
But these were these were uh, um, uh, Cuban nationals that were involved with. In, yes, in, in yes, the, they were. But we drew the plans. We trained them in Afghanistan to get ready for this. And the talk was out from family members to family members. We were doing everything. We in had Afghanistan? it involved. Okay, I might have gotten the wrong country, but in another country, they were training them U.S. style how to do this. It could be in South America somewhere. Yes, exactly. Wrong country, maybe the right letter A. But anyway. Argentina, maybe. I think so. Yeah, because that, that's where they said Adolf Hitler was at the end of the war. Different topic, but a lot of evidence there. But anyway, he was going through the motions of something already plotted out. And it's like Nixon. Nixon gets blamed for the Vietnam War. Kennedy was the one who initially started bringing troops in. But it was Johnson who escalated it greatly. Yes, he did. He also he also owned a munitions plant. And because Kennedy was about ready to pull people out of Vietnam because he didn't want to escalate it. Um, but but Johnson Johnson is the one that that if you if you watch We Were Soldiers, have you ever seen that movie We Were Soldiers? No, it was a Clint Eastwood movie, right? It huh? That was a Clint Eastwood movie, right? No, no um, what's Mel Gibson. Name? Mel Gibson, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that was when they 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 went from like twenty five thousand to seventy five thousand men, uh, pretty much overnight. And that was the first major battle that we had with the Vietnamese was in about sixty four, sixty five, right in there. And that would, of course, Johnson was president at that point. Um, and there's some people that would say that that because Kennedy wanted to pull people out of Vietnam and the military complex didn't want to pull them out of Vietnam, they wanted to escalate the deal that they could have been involved. So I don't, you know, I don't know. Go ahead, Matt. Kennedy threatened J. Edgar Hoover and said, we have to stop the Castro attempts now. And Kennedy said, I know so much about you guys no two of you will be living in the same state when I'm done with you. And Hoover laughed and said, you have no idea how many people you're up against. The book I had best evidence from the Warren Committee, a while back in this conversation, you mentioned that it could have been quite a bit of other agents involved. According to this book, the grassy knoll was predominantly full of agents, but not just American ones. Okay, CIA, FBI, KGB was involved, mafia was, local gangs. When the chaos starts, people started running towards where the gunfire came with very few knowing to go away from it, mass confusion. And so there's an awful lot there. And again, I'm reading books from people who were on committees and stuff, but it goes all directions. The conspiracy thing, I absolutely believe it was one. So what do you guys think about um, conspiracy theories in general? Because, uh, you know, the, the Warren Commission came back with a report that said that um, Oswald was a lone gunman and that he fired three shots. And he was and, and even though that particular weapon, it was difficult to fire aim um, within that time frame of the three shots. It was it was very difficult to do. So what do you think about all that? FBI's top marksman took that rifle and could not do what Oswald is credited for doing with it. 
Gerald Ford was an orphan that the government took in. He made it big at Michigan State. He went on, Senator Ford. He was appointed to pardon Nixon. He was in charge of the Warren Committee and gave them their findings. At the very end on his deathbed, he started to talk. It's like the Area 51 guys. His life is coming to an end. Now he's talking. Yeah, well, he's he's gone. He's gone now. Yeah, he's been gone for a long time. So, so Eric, what is you know? He, 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 I I see that your in your face. I'm seeing a lot of <laughs> a lot of what in the hell are we talking about? Well, conspiracy theories, as as fun as they are. As oftentimes as they, you know, a grain of truth can go a pretty long fucking way. It, it's also a never-ending concept. And you really have to watch. I mean, like we're experiencing, experiencing, experiencing it this week. Yes. You know, it, it is simple fact that, uh, what is it, 70% of Republicans think that uh Biden lost the election. Yes. And they've hired their own company uh, to look into the Arizona elections. Who, by the way, have never done any kind of <laughs> audit of this kind ever before. Ever. And they're going to, and I don't know if you guys have ever, oh, talked to a Trumpanian about the election results and tried to. Uh, sit through their reasoning. Have you <laughs> sit through their reasoning of how Biden lost the election? And finally, you just come <clears> around <throat> and say, well, you know, he's lost 60 some court cases and, and you go through all of these law things. And, you know, their answer is, well, that's how deep the deep state is. And it even gets more bizarre than that. And yeah, Matt. I like what you said about conspiracy theories. Moments ago, Kevin said, we always have them, otherwise it would be so dull. A high school teacher of mine said he believed the Warren Commission because, well, that stuff doesn't sell books, but the conspiracy stuff will. Now, about conspiracy, you remember the tragic with Apollo 1 when we lost our three astronauts on the pad. Gus Grissom's wife and son came up with conspiracy theory. She made the cover of Life magazine over it. And he has a multitude of um, little videos about how the whole thing was sabotaged intentionally and on and on and on over this tragedy on the launch pad. But you get something magnificent with the tragedy and here come the conspiracy theories. Uh, some have a lot of weight to it, have a lot of food for thought but everything is going to be put under that microscope, the what if. Yeah. Now, you know, this is one of the conspiracies that I can buy into. No. You know, the Kennedy assassination, because there are a lot of things that just don't make sense. I saw, I was watching, so like you guys, I was watching some things on YouTube to get caught up. And there was a father and son team. You guys probably saw this who came out, I think it was the early 2000s, that were still putting together evidence. And they came to the conclusion that it was simply a guy that wanted to work against democracy on his own. And he woke up that day and grabbed a rifle um, 
and somehow made one miraculous shot. And the way bullets work, you know, when it goes through the body, it was flipping through, went through a weird trajectory, and went through uh, what's his name's wrist, and then through his body. Connolly. Connolly. Yeah, Connolly. And, you know, it sounded perfectly reasonable. Sounded perfectly reasonable. And you watch somebody else, and it sounds perfectly reasonable. And when it gets to that point, you know, it's a preponderance of evidence and the preponderance of empty windows. And I would say with the Kennedy assassination, there's a lot of preponderance of evidence with empty windows that they're trying to brush in that just doesn't make sense. And when you talk about FBI and the mob, I can buy into that. Yeah. I can buy into that because the American America has a history. I mean, let's be honest about America. America was founded in the bars. Yep. And I say that with a certain amount of respect. I don't want anybody to think that we're a bunch of drunkards. But that's where America was founded because that's where people were gathering. That's where they were able to talk and get together and and discuss things. And while the the men were doing that because the women weren't allowed in the bars at that time, well, the men were in the bars talking about how to form some kind of plan to get representation without taxation. The women were in their quilting clubs and so forth. They were also discussing how to plan for America. So they were helping choose their bishop or their um, uh, 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 holy people, what do you call them, the ministers and, and so forth, and appointing them to their social groups and in the villages that they were founding. So the families were working together. The women doing the best in their social stance at that time were going out into the community. So they were founded in the bars and the, the families working together in the social structures that they had. This is what we had. So it doesn't surprise me through the, through the growth of our development that worked through bar and alcohol that was uh, leading our way because that's where the money was, that the FBI and the mob was working together. Yes, sir. My old high school coach was fantastic. He was an ex-Marine. He was from Montana. And he sat us down at guys, don't believe this little house of the prairie. And people homesteaded that bar was the first structure because that's where the guys are going to hang out with and live there until they build a town around. Just what you're saying. Exactly. Wanted to make sure we got that straight. Exactly. And the bars were, the bars were, that was the city hall. That was often the place of worship. I mean, that's where it all started. Yeah. Simple. Okay. The Native American, they had an answer to that. They called it a peace pipe around the fire. Quick, Eric, what were they doing? <laughs> Discussing well, the it's human legal condition. now. It's developing our spirituality. (laughs) Well, they're ahead of us, believe me. (laughs) We are, we live in an amazing country and we live in an amazing time. And Eric, you're right when you say that um, half of the electorate, not not quite half, about 42%, believe that uh, um, the Biden lost the election, that Trump won the election. There are there, and that all goes with the Great Awakening. Are you familiar with that concept? I I've enlightened me. I, I was in a roundabout way. Yeah, but talk about it. There was, there is a group, and I, I, I can I ran across this several years ago. I was doing a podcast with a young lady, and we were going to talk about politics a little bit. Trump was had just been elected, and um, we were going to talk about uh, the Hollywood access tape. 
and and some of the things and some of the things that he said and did well it quickly morphed into there's a guy by the name i'm not going to mention his name because i don't want to give him any publicity but his uh he is a conspiracy theory nut he he was a uh clerk at a health food store in washington state in 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 the vancouver area and then he started a website and he became a conspiracy theory guy and he was one of the first people to talk about QAnon. and they were talking about uh um the great awakening that trump was actually not the idiot that he appeared to be to a lot of people including myself but he he was going to save us from the deep state he was actively working for, and he was going to save our children from tom hanks and others that were drinking their blood and, and so that they could stay young and there are people that are living here that went to our public school system who believe this stuff today it's and and so there are um so now it's morphed into because Trump was Trump was going to win the election. See, this is how they worked it. Trump was going to win the election. He was going to eradicate the deep state. Hillary Clinton was going to jail. Um, all the Democrats were going to jail, and uh, he was going to um, uh, lead the great awakening of of humanity back to uh, what it's supposed to be. Um, so when he lost the election. It was not possible that he could lose the election. <laughs> are, you, are you checking to see if, you're, if, if this is too painful for you? Um, so it, it was not possible for him to lose the election. And so they picked several dates, including January 6th, where they had the insurrection. And uh, those, that, those people felt like they could control the situation and that Trump was going to be the president again. And now they're talking about in what will it be? 24 that he's going to run again and he'll win 24. Matt, you had your hand up. I wanted to take a huge step backwards to the very beginning of this show. and just give you like a one minute detour about the emotional impact that we had when we lost our president. Because a few years early, in 1959, February 3rd, in Clear Lake, Iowa, that was the day the music died. We lost three of the best. And that was back Big Bopper and Richie Valens. And they still play uh, both of their music. The crickets, they still do that. We were still stunned by that. We were still numbed. And then we got what happened in Dallas. And so that's just like a little short four-year gap the iron was still hot and so twice we got it and there are some people myself included who will tell you that in february of 64 when the country was in deep mourning they needed an outlet and this outlet came from liverpool england i was just going to mention that Yes. With, with the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, because mm. everybody was feeling so crappy. And then here come these four smart alecky kids that, that could play music real well and, and stuff, Matt. When Ed Sullivan, who worked for the New York Times, went through his poll and stole the Beatles from another show, 
<laughs> the night they played on Ed Sullivan, that was the lowest recorded crime rate in all of U.S. history that night. Really? Because all the little darlings were home watching the Beatles play. Is that right? Yes. 70 million people watched that. I wasn't one of them because my parents had to watch Bonanza and I had to go to bed. So anyway. <laughs> Before the show, they called Texas to talk to Roy Orbison because they greatly admired him. And Roy Orbison told them how to dress and so forth for your American introduction. Little trivia really? about that. Hey, right yes. out of Texas. Well, He's now, now I, there, that is something. That, now, their suits were were, were put together because they had a sleeveless collar, a collarless suits, and those were put together by, by Epstein. Uh, because before that, they wore uh, uh, leather jackets and and were kind of they were very much like um, the Rolling Stones in the in the following years. Uh, but in those in those days, um, they they were the clean cut ones, but they were the ones with the hair because um, nobody had seen. Do you remember? Nobody had seen hair like that. I A had beetle a cut. cut. Yeah, I had a crew cut when I had hair when I was that age. My and everybody, most people did. Um, and it wasn't until uh, 64, 65, 66 where people started to to let their hair out and stuff like that. It was the 60s were a wonderful time. I'm sorry you missed it, Eric. It, well, it, I am it, too. I am too. It was a really fun time, except for nine, except for the spring of 1968. That was kind of a crappy period in time because that's when Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King were both killed. And we were in the vicinity of Kent State University. I also Ooh, have sixty. Yeah. Don was James was their football. That. Don James was their football coach when that happened. Oh, you're kidding me! Yes, he was the football coach there at the time. Wow. He was not involved with that. Okay. No, I don't imagine. No, I don't imagine. So, but you know, I, I'm gl I'm glad that we're talking about history. I ju I just love the the topic of history and how one thing leads to another. And I'll tell you, the Kennedy assassination is. A, uh, a point in time where everything changed after after he was after he was assassinated. Now Johnson did some great things with uh, civil rights and stuff, but he also escalated the Vietnam War. And then you had Nixon, and then you had the uh, gas shortages, and and, and all of that. It, everything changed. It was it was a, a Cam Camelot type period in time, man. And once in a while, you would have a George McGovern thrown into the mix. Well, See, yes, and and this Greatly, is why. Yes, and and this is why this this conspiracy feels a little bit right to me because it feels a bit engineered. Because yes. we went back to a pretty conservative uh, country at that point. We started to move towards uh, being fairly liberal. Yes. And I'm going to say a, a very hated word here, but we were starting to accept some socialist principles that would have uh, let. Yeah, I said it. I said it. When we started to say some words like uh, healthcare may have been socialized yep. very early on. There were th some things on the table, and I know Nixon was the first one to propose some socialized, and I think that was part of the deal. But it, let's face it, if Kennedy was in on that, it would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Man. When you talk about words packing a punch, remember mm -hmm. 
McCarthyism. Remember that great word beginning with the C that they would throw, and Communist. you'd have to you'd have to defend yourself. I am not. Yeah, I'm not yes. a communist. I'm not a socialist. I just know. And, and in those days, uh, that that's when they blacklisted actors and stuff because he could throw out a name. It, it's, it's that's it's the same thing as that old saying: "Are you still beating your wife?" Yeah, there's not <laughs> a know, good answer to that. There, there isn't, and it's like he's a communist. Well, I'm not. <laughs> Prove it. Well, I can't. So, so I don't. I, how do how do you prove? What do you do? Go to the Communist Party and say he's not. You know, it's not not possible to prove it. You are now guilty until proven innocent. Yes, That's until right. that man stood up and said, "Sir, have you no decency?" Can't remember who that was, but it was a senator. It was Jeff Bridges in. Uh... <laughs> but it's, it's but you're 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 right eric and, and because that's one of those looking back on it what 60 years later we can see how the the events of the day played out and how it changed our country in in a really fundamental way mark my words aoc Yeah. She's not going to make it. And why? Why not? I don't think she's going to be shot. And I don't want to put anything on her, but I don't think she's going to make it till she's 40. Just mark my words. It is. I think I think it's highly likely. I'm I was actually because if President Obama had lived in the time of Kennedy. I'm pretty sure he would have been shot. Of course. He had more death threats than all presidents before him put together, including Kennedy. All presidents yes. combined from, you know, Washington. Did, did Washington get any death threats? He must oh, no. Have. He was beloved. He was beloved, he, but he must have had at least one threat. I mean, besides, you know, England. Yeah. Yeah, I have a trivia question on Washington. What political party did he represent? The Whigs. <laughs> he was Whigs. an independent. It was the Walnut Trees. He was an independent. <laughs> so, see, his his false teeth were walnut. Yes, that's that's true. That's, that's true. And I can see that because I'm a woodworker. <laughs> and you you probably you probably made his teeth. I'm not that old, man. Oh, yeah. but, but when you look at history and you look at the, the history of this country and the, and the things that, that uh, have changed us and created, you know what, one of the other major <laughs> things that happened in our country, you know, quit laughing. One of the other major things that happened was um, the, the, uh, the Lincoln assassination, but not for the reason people think. The reason that was such a big deal is because the guy who followed him's name was Andrew Johnson, and he was a white supremacist. See? See? Matt? You've heard the old saying, your name is Mud." That's Dr. Mudd. He treated, he treated uh, um, John Wilkes Booth of his broken leg. Yes. But in the time, but in the day, in that time, the, the news traveled so slowly 
that he did not have any idea that Booth had shot the president. Correct. He still That's was right. convicted. See? Yeah. I'm just going to throw this in. We've had it, and I'm not proud of this list. I think all presidents have been threatened many times. And then, unfortunately, we've lost foreign office, which was Lincoln, Garfield, McKinley, and JFK. Wow. And yet Trump survived. Now, one, one we lost to disease. What was it? Calvin Coolidge? It might have been. Well, we've had no. it. We've had it. <laughs> Two of them. There was a guy that got up. Uh, he he made that really long acceptance speech. Think it would offer two hours. Did it without yeah. long johns or something like that, without a coat. <laughs> caught a I think cold, it was Calvin caught Coolidge. the flu, was it? And then died. Because yeah. <laughs> he didn't want the job. <laughs> I think we dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> you know, you hire people, you vote for people for their you know, their frame of mind, their, their ability to make, you know, good decisions. And, uh, you know, he goes and makes a vote, you know, goes and makes a, a, uh, a speech for two hours in the middle of the winter, catches the flu and dies from it. I think we dodged a bullet. I think you're right. Hey man, I got, I got a trivia quiz for you that, uh, you need to look it up. There, there's a president that we had in the 1800s that got stuck in the bathtub. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to do some digging on that. And that was our first bathtub, right? That was the first yeah. bathtub installed at the White House. Yep, and they, they had to make a bigger bathtub for him because he got stuck. He was a heavy guy. Was it Taft? It might have been. I, 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 I have to look it up. Yeah, because I'm just thinking of the Tafts, the Grants, the Garfields, uh, the ones that competed with Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, and well, and I'll tell you, uh, one, uh, another consequential president that we had that uh that eric would be very familiar with and that would be that would be um grant ulysses as grant because yeah, that was in the 1870s and that's when they decided that they were going to send a lot of people west and that was the indian wars and and the the uh, treaties that they never followed up on and we never we we signed now, this is according to Billy Jack. Um, I don't know if you know, but in in the movie he did, he said he said there was like 850 um, treaties signed by the U.S. government and the and the Indian people, and none of them, none of them to this day have been honored. It, right. Yeah. I don't know about the number. That's probably true. I don't know if they. You know, I I know Obama made an attempt to hold true to a couple and that got a lot of pushback but it yes. is so fucked up now it's not gonna it's almost laughable that they would even attempt it at this point yes you know there's one other thing go, go ahead matt and then i i want to talk about ufos we're talking about president grant briefly in vancouver washington they have fort vancouver and among other things, they have the Grant House because at one time he was a soldier at Fort Vancouver. When he became president, they built this beautiful home for him there. He never set foot in it, but it has many of his items there. But there is a Grant House waiting for his return, but it never happened. Very cool. Yeah. Beautiful home. They have a nice cafe in there. And oh, Fort Vancouver, you will find it there. Just spend all day there. It's beautiful. 
Have you guys been noticing that uh, almost daily these days we are getting uh, uh, pictures and information about UFOs? Yes. Yeah. It's it's like it's a it's a major uptick, and from, I think I know from real why. sources, real sources, from real, yeah, from yeah. real sources. It's because did you guys know, and you probably both do, but our audience may not, that in June of this year, the the government has was mandated by Trump to release all the information that they have about UFOs. Wow! In June, this this coming June, yes. So that's next month. Wow. God, good for Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Matt? We all watch Nova, mm. Discovery, Ancient Aliens, and these intellects that show you facts. <clears throat> and it just really throws me. Are you, they, You're not having a heart attack, are you, down there? No, I'm just readjusting myself. That, that one hurt. But <laughs> they, will, they will go back thousands of years before the Bible was written. And then they'll have the same diagrams of what they call the star people, the greys. And they say they're not gods. They're just advanced people who live out there and we still live here. So they knew that they were just meeting a more developed society. Then now they're starting to release more and more about that. But these old cultures, it's what's well, so what? We all know that. Now it's coming around to us. Native Americans have been talking about star people for eons, man. They're part yes. of the, yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, and we go back to conspiracies, you know, that uh, I it, it's my opinion. This, this is my big conspiracy thing, that uh, white supremacy, that we have this conservative uh, conspiracy that keeps us on a very conservative track. You know that we are always struggling against. We we can't seem to, America particularly can't seem to break into something that uh, takes us away from the wealthy controlling us as much as they do. And that is you know a fact of America. That uh, what is it? Three percent of America has 97 percent of the wealth. Is that the right number? Landowners and peasants. It's even yeah. less. It's even the the percentage of people that that control ninety percent is like one percent. It is a feudal oh. system. It's a feudal. It's feudalism, and they've been so successful at uh, marketing it as something else. But it is feudalism, and that's the big conspiracy. And I think that is tied into, you know, they they talk about. Uh, people that are in control being the aliens, the uh, Anacardi, Anna, Anna, what is that, Matt? Anna? Tip of my tongue, Illuminati. Illuminati, thank you. Ah. Thank you, that's it. Well done, you pulled that well right done, out of your man. ear. See, you see, that, Kevin that gives be... me the answers to everything before a show and Paul in the block, oh, that type is of Is that thing. right? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that that would be my overall conspiracy it's the illuminati man that that has this they're making the money for some reason you know maybe the the gold that they're after i don't know if they i don't know what they do you know i, I don't know go ahead i live as simple as possible and i'm proud of it and years back when i had a house somebody broke into it 
And it was the great yard sale I never had. They took some things. Fine, it's years now, I guess. I got an insurance check, and I'll take the money. You know, take that thing. When they got me a second time, I started to feel violated. But this thing about not having status and whatnot and knowing where the Burger Kings are and stuff, I don't have a problem with that lifestyle. My secondhand wonder cars, fine. You know, nobody's going to target me. <laughs> see, I see it less as a thing of wealth, as a thing of accessibility. And power. we, we, oh. yeah, exactly. I mean, we have this thing in mind that we have to work so many hours a week. We have to, we have to drive ourselves there. We have to struggle to get an education. We have to struggle to feed ourselves. We can only eat certain things, you know. And unfortunately, our food is less accessible. We have to order food from faraway places. Our, our economies are so big that we can't just eat our local food. And buying our local food is more expensive than buying our food from some other place. That seems arranged to me. Yeah. We have a rich area in this area where, hey, get off of my property. And it has all this beautiful beach access. During the rainy season, they beg people to volunteer to do sandbags to protect their, their uh, really? homes, whatever. Yeah. Now they really like you when it's off season. When it's oh, nice yeah. weather, get out. You know, that type of thing. See? It's kind of the far side with Gary Larson. There's a lot of humor here. Well, and, and uh, uh, did you guys know, by the way, that this is May of, uh, of 2021? Do you know in the southwest United States there's a gas shortage? I heard that. Yes. Yes. And and again, it's, it, it's because of, you know, and this is going to come back to us in a great way. It's because a major pipeline was shut down because it was hacked. And it, it was, uh, they had a security problem and it was hacked mm -hmm. and they had to shut it down. And also, by the way, if, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be a truck driver hauling uh, oil, they, they have a shortage of truck drivers. So it's not that we have a shortage of oil. We have a shortage of people to deliver the oil. That's right. What does America have? We've got uh, a couple of years of oil in storage. Yep. In the National in Reserve. Storage, yeah. I was told that continental United States, both sides, both coasts, is the largest untapped oil reserves. And then we have Alaska, and then we have the border of Mexico. Now, there was called the Fisher Project, called spelled F-I-C-H-E-R in 1935 out of Germany. And they said that fossil fuel oil has nothing to do with dinosaurs. It is the rubbing of the plates and that an oil well, they take less than 70% out because it's going to replenish itself like a water well. And so they, according to what I've read and everything, that it's kind of a farce, fossil fuel short demand, it's everywhere. They do the supply and demand thing on us. But then there, that brings up another conspiracy theory, which is global warming. Yeah, there's no such thing as global warming. Uh, but yeah, don't get me started on that. <laughs> well, and and the thing is, is that there is enough 
fossil f- see and that's why i think that it it the the ufo conspiracy theory is that that they're there because we are their children basically and uh that they're trying to get us and to protect us from ourselves because we're stupid teenagers who don't know any better matt yeah on this theory the Eisenhower administration supposedly would meet an extraterrestrial somewhere in a the neighborhood. They'd send their limousine out. The guy would come in, and I have pictures of him I could show you. He looks like one of us, but he would have made a punk rock band. But basically, when we started splitting the atom, like we, like we started getting such contacts. So they have this guy with exceptionally long fingers, and um, he's telling you what he knows, and Kind of putting the fear of God in us. Now so I want like to keyboards for this band. Now I want to point out something. We have all seen the Stanley Steamer vacuum cleaning guys, right? Those yeah. yellow band. Okay, they spell it differently. They spell steam with two e's instead of an e a. The original Stanley Steamer that came out a little after 1900 on hot water alone, hot water. It was testing over 150 miles an hour with wooden wheels. And there are pictures of it. You could look it up. They put a stop to it because how could we tax such a thing? But here we have what solar can do. They claim the Star Wars thing like a cruise missile, a few feet off the ground and off you go. They say that if we really wanted to, we could get up to the Jetson Star Trek age if we wanted to. Wow. Well, I think we will. It's going to take some time, and it's also going to take... See, the problem is, the people that have got... And by the way, I have really, really sad news to report. Bill and Melinda Gates are getting a divorce. Yeah. I, I'm just crying. It's horrible. I don't know how she's going to live. I mean... She's, she's gotten accustomed to a certain level of living. <laughs> well, her, she's... She she's asking for fifty billion dollars. Is is that it? it? Yeah, I'm gonna. I will. My thoughts and prayers are with her. <laughs> Matt, supposedly there are a few other elite couples making the same financial slash legal move, and it's kind of like one year Pan Am Airlines was no longer in North America. There's a lot of talk. It has to do. Uh, we're going to nosedive. Well, I got a question for the two of you um, as men. And, okay, picture if you will. Thank you. Picture if you yes. will. Yes. That, that you have got $50 billion to your name. You don't do anything for yourself. You got a housekeeper. You got a cook. You got a chauffeur and all of that thing. And you've also got people that know your name and know how much money you make. And you've got women throwing themselves at you all the time. Do you stay faithful to the woman you married or do you play? When did I get married? Before or after I have this money? <laughs> uh but you got you got married um after you had the money no you, it would be, you know it would be before because before, because okay. you you can't get the same quality of uh of of looker before you have money versus after you have money so Tom so, like us is, uh, is I, remember like, I remember that guy yeah so well you but so Matt, answer the question 
you live a double standard being a hypocrite. You could be one of the rock stars out there and the homestead looks the other way because these people who end up doing crazy things, you did what with a what? Okay, they have the whole world to work with. Come on, why contain myself to a quarter? And so what I'm just trying to say is it's like oh, a that. red light district. Dad, my mom even explained this to me. Yeah, your dad is gone for a while. He does this and that. I don't think he's doing anything wrong, but you know, she kind of worried. I'm a little kid, like, you know, what dad cheating? To my knowledge, he didn't. But getting back to the question, what a dichotomy, because you have the whole world, we're here to explore it, and uh, rules are always flexible, come and go. Uh, I'm stunned if somebody in Bill Gates' position or Bill Cosby or whatever isn't doing it just a little bit, one human being to another. Well, Bill Cosby, I, you know, he did he, wrong his way. He did. He did this thing called Bill Cosby himself, which was a comedy uh, uh, movie that he made. I ah. thought he was just brilliant. I, I, fig I figured out that he can't be that smart because Bill Cosby was famous when he was drugging women and, and, and then, and then sleeping with them or taking advantage of them when he didn't have to do any of that. It went yeah. both ways. Some were, others were not. Uh, you got a lot of professional athletes, household names, that away from home on tour, they had their things going on, their little satellites. Uh, a rich guy, you're not going to contain him with all the, the world full of pleasures. You, you like, know, what you I, know we're, we're talking about sexual pathology here. Yeah, we are. And, you know, you can't really define sexual pathology by a marriage. I, I think it is, uh, it might be one of our better angels that we like to aspire to. And it takes all of our will and all of our dedication. It has to be almost like uh, a Mitch McConnell. 100% of our effort will go... <laughs> <laughs> will be opposing the human race and uh, pouring myself into this marriage. And that is the best, uh, probably our best angel. But as Matt, as you said, we're humans and we get one lifetime experience. And so do our wives. Mm -hmm. And our wives should experience the world as it is. And let's face it. A marriage isn't always affected by our sexual pathology. It may be devastated at times. It may be hurt. It uh, can be overcome with communication and a certain understanding of the other person. Because I know marriages where people have had affairs by not the ones that I expected to have affairs, but by the other one that I did not expect would have an affair had the affair and the couple worked it out. And, you know, after so many years, they're, they're doing wonderfully. Yeah. So I think, you know, marriages, uh, as unnatural as they are, they're meant to be strong friendships that uh, bind people together and, and become stronger over time. And part of that friendship that becomes stronger is the exception, is the acceptance of uh, sexual pathology, no matter where it leads. Because let's face it, males uh, tend to stray and experiment in different ways, as do women. 
women are sexual beings and they need to experiment at times and do what uh, what they want. Yeah, man. It's that classic saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's it's right. The it's the president calling. Hey, hey, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will tell you, though, uh, the best kept secret that I've ever heard of was the Beatles when they were on tour. You never heard anything. You had people that were throwing themselves at them. They were they were coming through the ceiling in their hotel room. They, they had figured out how to how to get to these guys and you never heard anything about what they did and you know that they did a lot. They were 20 year old kids. You can't resist. How can you when you when can't you're resist? And 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 for them it was like like Manna from heaven, Matt. I was reading this one article of um, love children from famous stars, and they were in a bar in England, and this one guy was Ringo Starr's love child, whatever. And the question was, what's it like being the son of a famous? And he goes, it's a drag, man. Everybody walks up to you, and I don't even know him. And just you know, goes, but you can see that nose and everything like that. <laughs> And um, you felt it, yeah. When um, the Rolling Stones, when Mick Jagger got into a little bit of whatever, Keith Richards said, "We are tight like thieves. We keep our secrets. We all accept one another." Stop right there. Yeah, it's so it's so sad that Keith Richard died so long ago and is still walking around. Well, don't tell well, him. Who is a gang? gang <laughs> yeah, well, who is a Genghis Khan? Was the most prolific male of all time? They can't. Well, how about Solomon? Solomon had 500 wives and 3,000 concubines. So I'd like you to do the math and to, to determine you, for me. How do you uh, not die of dehydration, man? <laughs> I would like you to do for the math for me. How, how long would it be between episodes of one woman when you've got 3,500 people that you're standing in line waiting for you to uh, show up? <laughs> math? Wasn't there Maybe a, a little... week? Wasn't there a little jingle about Errol Flynn? Errol oh, he Flynn. was he was he was the another ph philanthropist or yeah. no, no, he was he was he was another guy that that See, like and Will Chamberlain. But out of all the guys, I, Errol Flynn would be the guy that I would get choose if I had to be you know productively that way. I think I'd go with Errol Flynn. Oh, there you go. <laughs> with my uh, sexual pathology i think i'd i'd go uh before paulette goes i think i think she's tired of us now but uh, she said i truly enjoyed you all today it was informative at times funny at times and kept my interest the whole hour after this i can't help but wonder how much fun y'all are on a date <laughs> is that a foursome is that an invitation for a foursome i think maybe uh take that however you want so we would, we, by the way, Paulette, just before you go away, um, when we had lunch together, we had a really good time um, hanging out together and, and eating chocolate cake. And, and it was like it was like we were teenagers again. But that's because no woman will have any of us. Anyway, <laughs> I, I greatly admire the life of Tom Jones. I was watching him on a show years ago because he's 80 and he just came out with another album and he's going to tour a bit. 
But he wow. said that when he knew of Elvis Presley and vice versa, because they went on to be best of friends. When they were to meet somewhere, each was expecting to meet a black man. Each thought the other was a black vocalist, a Nat King Cole, so to say. But wow. Tom Jones was very open and honest and brief about, yes, I've had affairs. Yes, I yes I have. Not bragging, but set the record straight. Yes, I have these weaknesses. I love my wife, my family. But he was very open while still being him. And do you remember a while back, it was um, David Letterman, somebody tried to get extortion, and he did the opposite. He said, okay, I tripped up here. I did that. End yep. of story. Sorry, no money. Okay, I got a trivia quiz for the two of you. When Tom Jones became famous with It's Not Unusual to Be, that, that song came out, and, he, and Tom Jones is not his real name. No. Uh, I, I, I forget what his real name is, but the marketing department decided to come up with another guy who had a different name. Who was that guy? Kevin McDonald. Nope, nope, no. not, not I. No. Uh, Paulette probably knows. She knows everything. Um, Matt, what do you think? I'm drawing a blank. Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh, yes. oh, really? Yes, they they did his name that to be the polar opposite of Tom Jones and Engelbert Humperdinck because that wasn't his name either. Wow. Could you imagine being a Humperdinck? <laughs> That's what happened. That's what happened to Ray Charles, Sugar Ray Robinson. That wasn't his real name. He was a poor kid that couldn't afford a fight card. And so one kid who didn't want to box gave him the fight card. And then when the word got out that this kid's pretty good, they went by the name of the fight card. And so Ray Charles had to change his name because it couldn't be Ray Robinson because there was a famous boxer of that name already, even though that's not his real name. There you go. There you go. See, we could do now next week. Let's 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 get together and do obscure trivia that that then try and stump each other. I can talk about drum corps and just kick your guys' ass. Yeah, it's true. You can. <laughs> can I ask you a question? Yes, Eric. Of okay, you just said drum percussions. Gene Karupa or Buddy Rich? Well, Gene Karupa was in drum corps. Buddy Rich, uh, I think he was also in Cora. I think he was in the Cadets or something weird. Who would you give the nod to? Oh, as a as a better drummer. Yeah, you got oh, an A plus versus well, an two, A plus. They're two generous, generous, but uh, I'd have to go with Buddy Rich because he's more because he reaches a broader audience of a uh, of appeal and probably did more of his own. So it's a. Uh, Maybe not a big nod, but it's a, you know, as far as, yeah, I'd say Buddy Rich because he. Same brought, league. He, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. He kind of cultivated it, brought attention and a great PR man. I'd love yeah. to watch him on Johnny Carson talking and everything. They'd get out there and do his stuff. Yeah. You know, Gene Krupa was a far better, he was a far nicer guy. Probably a better person to work with than Buddy Rich. But that's neither here nor there. Well, Buddy, Buddy was, a, was a guy out of Vegas. I mean, he's he was in Vegas a lot. Yeah, he was yeah. demanding because the excellence was there, and he demanded that level at all times. You're going to get that with the great I've worked, ones. I've worked with a, a lot of artists that are very egotistic. 
Yeah, and I yeah. found that excellent artists have egos for a reason because they are very good. They're very demanding. But there is an area where they uh, chill it down a bit. And I never saw evidence that uh, Buddy Rich had that capability. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Is he still yeah, alive? Yeah, it was a long time ago. No, no he's not. No, he's they're, they're 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 all gone. I'm not even so, sure. Yeah, Gene's not not around either, right? Gene's Gene's gone. Gene passed before Buddy, right? Oh yes, yeah. Karupa yeah, I mean, was on a threshold just before Buddy Rich became a big name. Yeah, that's right. That's right, because he was more of a jazz guy, and Buddy was the big band, big band and contemporary. He really kind of brought the edge of pop music, band music into pop music. Yeah, so I would say Buddy Rich had a larger impact on, on contemporary music than Koopa. Who I greatly – sorry. But Koopa, but uh, Koopa had a huge effect on Buddy Rich, so they're, they're really kind of, you know, forever in that drum war. Who I marvel about as a whole is Charlie Watts with the Rolling Stones. He is oh, usually a small five-piece. He yeah. likes to not be the center of attention. He's been married to the same woman, what, over 30, 40 years? And he says, I don't need a bathroom scale. If these pants don't fit, I'll lose weight. When they fit, I guess I don't have to lose weight. A simple, quiet guy, never had to be the center of attention. A bass player and a drummer together, like the Love and Spoonful, Steve Boone. He is still with Joe Butler out of New York. They're still doing the John Sebastian double, uh, Love and Spoonful stuff. See, those are guys that we should talk to about marriage and sexual pathology. Talk about, you know, perfect demonstrations of who they are, both musically and uh, how they carry out their lives. Those are good human beings. Yes. I'm, I'm convinced that because all three of us are from the, about the same era. If you were to go to back to your high school and the folks that were together at the time um, and then they ended up getting married, how many of those in your do you, do you have you gone to any reunions? Do either of you know how many actually are married today? Um, I was uh, fairly disinterested in high school, so most of my interest was in my drum corps buds. Right. Okay. Then that's a, that's also a good one. How many of yeah. those got married and are still together? I will say probably about 80, 90% of them are still together. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Yeah. And I, yeah. And that, that has to do with, I really, I really think this because uh, I know of two in my high school that were together in high school and are still together today. And uh, it's because they're best friends. That's Rather crazy. than being husband and wife. They're just best friends. They hang out together. They would want to hang out together uh, just because they love each other. There you go. That makes a sound marriage. You know, that's probably, no, well, I've never been married, but that's probably the key to the whole thing right there. I was yes, married sir. for 24 years in the last, and it, it was the best six months of my life. Anyway, Matt, go ahead. <laughs> Not all Matt, it was, but. Mad Magazine had a funny satire on marriages, and they show this one mom crying very hard in church. And they said, you don't have to cry. Marriages are a wonderful thing. And she says, you don't understand. This is their first one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> first marriage. 
but but uh, yeah, so so that that would be interesting. By the way, you can't when you're talking about drummers. Back to that, you can't forget about John Bonham. Do you know who that was, Eric? That's not the one-handed drummer from uh, Def Leppard, is it? No, no we have uh, to give the guy a nod. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, no, you got to give the band a nod too because they they uh, when they he lost his arm. And, and they said, all right, you're just going to have to figure out how to play with one arm. <laughs> yeah, you do. Fire him. No. <laughs> but but John Bonham played Man with up, Le- dude. Yeah. <laughs> John Bonham played with Led Zeppelin, and when he That's died, it. they quit. They brought his son in kind of like a JFK Jr. thing, and it's nice one way, but it wasn't the same because there's only one John Bonham. Adam, many, many just simply rate him number one. Well, and and his son played with them years later, but it, it was but when when they when he died, they effectively quit touring and they didn't replace him with anybody. They basically said, "Oh, we're done." So anyway, um, Matt, tell us about MattShayBooks.net. Well, you and I have been going back and forth, going through the six audiobooks I have. And I emphasize this, you did a masterful job when you narrated Elmo, and we're only asking $5 for that. And I want people to get that book. I want them to hear your magic because you're quite the guy narrating. Unbelievable. I have had over 100 people audition for books because some of them I've hired to do a few. And you're equal to the best ones. And the ones you have done, I would only pick you. I don't care about the others. They're two Kevin ideal stories. And so uh, you know what I'm talking about. And just take the spotlight on the chin. On my website, we have Elmo narrated by Kevin McDonald. And you have done a fabulous job. And the people at KKNW, the ones that heard it, they comment on it. Uh, Here you are. Your shows are fun. You were spectacular there. You're quite a headliner doing this sort of thing. Well, and I have to I have to tell you, I have to announce something here. And I was telling Eric earlier that I went to see my rheumatologist, who's a very nice young lady, and uh and she said, I've been listening to your podcast. And I said, Really? That's great. She said, Yeah, they make me fall asleep. <laughs> so it's like apparently I have got uh voice. So that's what I'm that's my next project is to do a meditation CD that uh, then people can can use and go to sleep by. <clears throat> that's that's how talented I am by God. Anybody else? <laughs> so <laughs> Eric, I'm gonna do something. I'm I've got this in my hand today. I'm gonna do this for you today and I'll, I'll I've been dying to put it up. And Matt, I have you have you uh heard any of uh eric's writings no i have the gist of it and my one of my publishers bobby out of texas bobby has written me personally and thanked me for this connection he knows what to expect from eric because we went back and forth a little bit about my stuff and this show and everything but um, i know that he's up my alley and i'm going to learn a lot from him when he starts getting published i have to read this because it is, and you would love your opinion, Matt. And also you, Paulette, so if you're still here. Yeah, you're still here. So this is this is called Breaking Light 
on Broadway and John. He sat on the corner of Broadway and John, legs stretched out, crossed at the ankles, light gray pants worn, torn at the end of the leg, white tennis shoes, green plaid flannel shirt, short blonde hair, hadn't been washed in days. His left arm swings two of above his head, then down again. He's rain-soaked and sits in a puddle. Shakes his head, rocks it up and down. A small Hyundai passes by him. Pat splashes the puddle that he sits in, that sits in front of him. He doesn't respond as he swings his arm again. Streetlights begin to dim from the light of day. Streetlights begin to dim from the light of day beginning to break. A middle-aged woman walks by and around him. She drops a bag as she notices his dead dog held close to his chest with his right arm. Behind the pair, the storefront lights turn on. An employee turns on the sign to open. The traffic light changes to green. I head north on Broadway. What do you think, Matt? I love it because when that city came to life, the business, he was now being pushed away and go elsewhere. And he's out there surviving the elements and the unconditional love, man's best friend, like Forrest Cup, despite the dead dog, the dead dog is still there because that's his companion. The puddle, he always gets that kind of greeting, that very well done, Eric. And that's that's what he noticed as a bus driver. The transient, transit transient. So, Eric, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. I had forgotten about that story. What I like is what you said about a bus drive in the career. You have incorporated that because that is life. You're out there in the city, the mainstream. Because there are people, as you know, who get on the bus because that's going to be a warm home until they finally have to get off of that thing. You've seen it all. Yes, he, and he can write about it all, and that's that, that really is. So I've got three stories. I'm going to put them together for you, Eric, and, and I'll send them to you so you can put them on, your, on Facebook or something. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to that. Eric, I'm going to be flying your colors when these publications come out. My site is going to have an Eric section, as I already have a Kevin one, and we're going to have a mechanics there where people can order your stuff. Thank you. Oh, I'm well, hey, it's a, it's a two-way street because you're going to raise my property values. Well, I love it. And I've got a guy working on my uh, brand-new website, and I'm going to have a um, um, page dedicated to people I work with. And so, Matt, you'll be on that page, as will Eric, when he uh, starts publishing some stuff and um, and the other folks that I have have here. I'm spending a decent amount of money to get that done. So it's, But it, it, it's going to be fabulous, simply fabulous. So my, my first book consists of 20 stories, and initially it was titled Tales from the Factory because myself as a blue-collar Teamster guy and the mix of people I worked with in the neighborhood, it all harmonized with that. But a playwright 
contacted me and he said, I want to format your book. We're going to call it The, the Groundskeeper because that's your lead story. Then we're going to break into four chapters. Well, this guy's been around, and so I let him make the decisions. But same concept, you a bus driver, myself a Teamster guy. I love it. It is very much like that. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. So, and and I, I tell you, I know Paulette loves your writing. It, it's you, so descriptive, as is uh, Matt's. Um, Elmo, I tell you, I've never had this happen before. <clears throat> Like because I voiced some stuff and I've read some stuff, but as I was voicing it, and Matt, there, it, it actually, you can actually hear it in in the recording a little bit. But there are points in time when it's so personal, and people people actually cry when they hear the the uh, um, Elmo because there are parts of it that are very very heartfelt. I cry often when I'm writing. I'll be writing here at one thirty two in the morning. Nobody's here. Nobody knows I'm here, right here. And um, I could cry all I want because nobody, it's like Willow Weep for me. Go ahead and do it. Nobody sees you. There you go. All right, gentlemen, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make us go away because this has now been an hour and a half, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. It's been fun. It's been fun. It has been fun. Thank you for this. And uh I'm only sorry you can't go to KKNW. Oh Matt. Um, Eric is not going to be able to make it to KKNW, so um, you're you're still welcome to participate. I've got to find some other folks, um, and then that will be my last show on KKNW. It'll be a great one. So can, I'm going to give it up. Can do can do other stuff. So in any event, you guys have a wonderful day. Anything you, you want to add, Eric, as a final thought? Um, keep looking up. Matt? I admire how gutsy you and Eric are. You pick sensitive things, open it up politically, but at all times you're not derogatory. You're not infringing on people. You're stimulating conversation. You're not ruffling feathers. You guys have a very good touch. I have to tell you this story. I It's, it's uh, real quick, and then, then we got to go. But uh, um, there was a song. It was written by a guy. He took it to a songwriting partner. They, he played the song for him, and there was a sentence in that song that nobody got. The, the, the sentence in that song was called, The Movement You Need Is On Your Shoulder. I was doing a show with Coriel, uh, uh, um, Coriel Kramer, who's the animal intuitive, and she says, and she was saying, your spirit guides and your angels are sitting on your shoulder and helping you with the movement you need. The song is Hey Jude, written by Paul McCartney and John Lennon. And that, and that phrase is, the movement you need is on your shoulder. Go ahead. Wow. Wow. The seniors that I volunteer for, one of them, that is her favorite. And she's no longer with us. She passed but I would always have to play Hey Jude sometime at our visit. Now, the story behind Hey Jude is John Lennon was going through divorce. His son, Julian, who they called Jude, was really hurt emotionally. That song was to give John Lennon's boy a lift while mom and dad were partying. You are correct, sir. But but that, that phrase, 
The movement you need is on your shoulder. Paul said, well, don't worry, I'm going to change that. And John said, no, don't. That's the best part. And it, it turned out that that's, I'm not sure that Paul understood what he was trying to say at the time, but that's what it meant, at least to me. Gentlemen, Paulette, you're wonderful. Thank. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. She thanks guys. Okay. Yes. Oh, she 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 got hey Jude before I said it. She's smart. She's a smart lady. So gentlemen, it's been it's been a pleasure. I can't wait till next week. It'll be fun. Let's play trivia next week. Sounds good. See you guys. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.